Hey everyone, welcome back to a new video. Before we begin, I did want to mention, there's going to be a sponsor somewhere in the middle of this video. I know a lot of you hate that, but I just wanted to let you know. Also, when it's in the middle like that, it's because the company specifically requests that. So yeah, I really can't help it. It's just what they tell me to do. But hopefully you still enjoy the video. As always, if you have your own story, be sure to send it at southerncannibal.com. And without further ado, let's get into the stories. And remember to always stay hungry. The story is one that has stayed with me for most of my adult life. A memory that occasionally surfaces. One that I ponder with a certain detached sensibility on the topic of all the participants. It was the closest I've ever come to precipice, from which there would be no recovery or return. A precipice I do not want to venture over due to the loss of freedom that would ensue. The story, I suppose, is not told from the usual perspective. If it was a typical story, it might have been from the other guy's perspective. But no. The story starts out at a suburban middle school, at which I found myself after a really happy time at elementary school. In contrast to the fond memories I have of elementary school, even to this day, middle school was a vastly more unpleasant circumstance. People picked on me just because. I think they could realize I wasn't normal, that I didn't fit in. As I aged, I've been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder, and from the word go, I'd like to dispel some of the misconceptions you might have. I was an awkward, immature kid. I wasn't some preterm naturally manipulative, charismatic sort. I was self-aware enough to know that I just didn't fit in with the other students. I was assigned to a special learning program for kids with mental conditions, and having learned about that, a lot of the other students saw those who went to such classes as little more than bullseyes for their abuse. I literally did nothing but exist, and the people who would go on to call me a deranged freak targeted me down for nothing but having a mental illness. But there was somebody who was worse about it. Nobody more persistent, self-righteous, or cruel than Joe. After PE one day, I was just changing my clothes and trying not to look at the other boys. Gay panic back then could be brutal, violent, and hateful, and I had been fiercely closeted about my bisexuality. That was when, alone in an underwear, Joe had just intruded on my place where I tried to change my clothes by myself. He was a large, stocky boy. He had his hair cut down to a buzz cut, or something similarly militaristic. He'd always wear a denim jacket, a white shirt, and jeans. I felt intruded upon the moment he showed up, and even more so when he just started rifling through my belongings like they were his. I shouted, Uh, hey, that's mine! And then he pushed me back down onto the locker room seats. So? He then said, I don't see any Bible or anything like that in here. Do you not feel you need forgiveness for your sins? He was just glaring down at me while he said that, 
as if my failure to bring into the school any manifestation of faith was a distinct personal failure of mine that merited his intrusion. Not knowing what I was about to bring about on myself, I said, Uh, no, I don't believe in any of that. He then leaned forward and said, When I'm done, I'm going to need forgiveness from my priest for all the things I'm going to do to the likes of you. Everyone knows your type is disgusting. The coach yelled into the room for us to get dressed and go. And then Joe spat on me and ran out. That was only the beginning of what would become six months of utter terror. From then on, he would trail me to and from my classes, and he stalked me everywhere, using everything I said and did, and so much as ate, all his ammunition for his harassment campaign against me. He was in my math class. He would follow me to my next class and then grab my backpack before pulling me up against him before shoving me to the floor. He then ridicule me, kick me while I was down, and go on his way. If I so much as ate hot Cheetos, he would run out in front of the entire cafeteria and then start shouting, Nick's got red lipstick on! Nick's got red lipstick! And just keep repeating it. Whipping up a cafeteria full of people I had no liking for already and non-stop laughing at me. He'd go on to in that case offer to wash the red lipstick off as well as throw a cup of water on my face. What had I even done to him to merit this? I tried changing my route. I tried asking for help. And I found out that one of the people I liked working with in my class had actually been telling Joe where I had been going. Purely because he wanted to have Joe as his friend instead. After I told him my plan, I told him how bad things had gotten. And whenever I asked, his response was, Well, you're honestly kind of freaky. And Joe's cool. Everybody likes Joe. It's nobody's fault but yours that he doesn't like you. I tried going to the teachers, who were about as helpful as one might expect. The first teacher I talked to said that unless she directly saw what Joe was doing, she couldn't do anything about it. She just couldn't take my word for it above that of Joe. The next teacher I talked to, if anything, was even more dismissive. He just said, You're both boys, and that you should try and hash things out, as boys do in these kinds of things. There's no sense punishing a boy for being a boy. There will always be outcasts like you, Nick, and it's your job to fit in, not to make everybody else fit in with you. That day, Joe seemed to make his beat down on me even worse than usual, as if he knew I'd so much as tried to obtain some relief from his predation. He outright told me that there was nothing I could do to get away from him. He was either going to make me leave school to a different school, or leave in a body bag. I felt abandoned, left alone, that he was just going to continue doing everything he was doing to me, for its own sake forever. My enthusiasm for school plummeted. My mother noted that I was losing any drive on my homework. I'd usually been a very capable student, and my grades were crashing. I felt a gnawing sense of depression. There was nothing I could do to deal with Joe. I couldn't tell my parents. They never listened. Whenever they weren't yelling at each other, they'd come up with the least committing response possible. 
the least they had to do, the better. Over the Thanksgiving vacation that year, I had cried myself to sleep thinking about going back to school. It felt like a prison. A punishment locust that really just existed to make mentally ill people miserable and then blame them for their misery. I felt that it was either Joe was going to go back to school alive or me. And being what I am, I was completely unwilling to let him have that. I was done that weekend before the return. Either Joe would or me. As unfitting as my body was for the ego I possessed, and as much as I had grown to despise it for its persistent failings to help me fight to defend myself against him, I knew there was another way. I decided then I was going to kill Joe, but even a sociopath can't just make that call and go through with it. The idea made me feel uncertain, wary. It made me shake that night in bed. I needed to work off my nerves. In addition to walking, exercising, and stretching, far more than I'd done prior to that day, I had also watched Child's Play 2 that weekend, letting the simulation of violence beat down my trepidation. Chucky used a knife. That gave me an idea. We had those kinds of kitchen knives available, and I considered asking my mother to let me pack my lunch. The plan was to sneak a kitchen knife in, and then gut Joe when he pulled me up against him. But I knew from experience that she packed those lunches herself for so long, and she would logically get suspicious if her son suddenly asked to pack his own lunch. So instead, I went with something inconspicuous, a bright red pen for my school supplies, out of ink, useless usually. The pen had a long pointed end, a gift from my dad, I slagged myself up more than the night before, telling myself one way or another, my Joe problem would finally end, that I just needed to do this. That morning after vacation, I headed to school, the pen hinted up my sleeve of my brown big jacket. I was all smiles, and I even smiled at Joe that morning in math. He seemed confused by it, but it didn't seem to give it any mind. After all, He'd made my life a complete living hell for six months. What might change now? I couldn't wait for class to end. And when it did, I was one of the first ones up and moving, eager to get out the door. I slipped my hand up my jacket sleeve, clutched my pen between my fingers, tight as could be. I then felt that tug on my backpack, as usual. He thought nothing was different today. He was wrong. He yanked me over toward him to once again impress on me how small and weak I was in comparison to him, and I made my move. My hand clutching the pen slashed out from inside my sleeve, and I tried to stab him through the throat. Months of repressed hidden rage and hate all bubbling to the surface at once. I screamed at the top of my lungs, Die! Die! Fuck you, Joe! Die! I tried again and again to get at him. Other students, however, were pulling us apart. Teachers quickly getting involved now. More quickly when I stood a chance to hurt Joe than when Joe ever hurt me. Joe clutched the side of his throat, shaking. I can still remember his stupid little tears. He was on his ass crying, and before I knew what was going on, we were both dragged to the office. 
I explained the whole of my side of the story to the principal himself, and just how long this had gone on, all of the things he led the student body in doing. I was told I was going home for the day, and that I was really lucky I wasn't suspended or expelled. Joe, significantly shaken looking, agreed to never approach me, touch me, or speak about me again. The principal made a shake on it. I numbly agreed, looking right through Joe and the wall behind him. I didn't expect much out of it. I thought he was just going to go back to doing what he did before, and even worse now that I'd done that to him. But he never did. That was the last time I ever saw Joe at middle school. He transferred out of my math class, and the guy who tried to make friends with Joe stopped talking to me, outside of saying, You're a real freak, you know that, Nicholas? I was free. I was finally done with the harassment. I figure it was fear. They knew or figured that I might do worse to them if they came after me. Joe wasn't the only bully at the school, nor was he the biggest or meanest, but they kept away. I could detect I was a figure of infamy now, but I didn't mind. It meant that I could just eat and drink my drinks without having my head shoved into my food by him. High school was less bad than middle school to some degree. I got tired of the boys there. None were as quite as persistent as Joe, and I picked up a weightlifting habit. I applied myself to it as much as possible. In the space of two years, I went from a chubby short sophomore to a muscular impressive senior. For once, I felt like I lived up to my self-conception. My body image no longer had this severe dissonance. The final time I saw Joe that year, I was going to talk to my social studies teacher after school. I stepped in to see her talking to him. I glanced his way, and he looked away, botting his lip looking down. The cockiness and cruel sneer were all gone. Oh, excuse me, Nicholas. I just need to finish up talking with Joe here, my teacher said. I just nodded, saying nothing, and left. After that, he was gone. I have never seen Joe yet in my adult years. It's been about 15 years, and I still remember this so strongly. I've since gotten involved in film and acting deciding to use my gifts for something more creative than destructive. So just stay gone, Joe. Stay gone. Hey everyone. Apologies for the interruption on the scary stories, but I want to thank today's sponsor, ShipStation. So it's the most wonderful time of the year, which is also the most hectic time of year. Everyone puts off shopping until the last minute, but if you have an online store, I think you know the feeling of getting hit with a ton of orders at once. I know the holidays can be stressful, but using ShipStation isn't. With ShipStation, you get a free trial and quick setup, and now is the time to try ShipStation if you've been on the fence. I've talked about this before, but ShipStation is perfect if you have your own online business. Whether it's your own Etsy shop, eBay, or Amazon, it's perfect for that. ShipStation works with all your favorite places to sell online, and you can manage every order from one simple dashboard, as well as automate routine shipping tasks, printing shipping labels, and easily compare rates and delivery times to optimize every shipment. 
This holiday season, give yourself the gift of stress-free holiday shipping. Use promo code CANNIBAL today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com, promo code CANNIBAL. I'm a 14-year-old female. This happened during English two weeks after the summer holidays ended. We were learning about Charles Dickens when some kids in my class pointed at some guy on a bike doing willies past the classroom, and he was looking into the room. Our teacher just told us to ignore him and carried on with the lesson. Five minutes go by, and a girl in my class suddenly screamed and pointed out to the guy who was now next to the window I was sat next to but he quickly biked off. Our teacher pulled the blinds down and turned the lights on to carry on with the lesson. I had asked to take a time out outside next to the set of stairs that led up to the language rooms. When I sat down next to my girlfriend, I had heard a knock at the set of double doors on my left. I then hear a male voice who sounded around 16, asking to be let in, while also trying his luck at the door handles. Luckily, they were locked as always. I went back into my classroom, and my teacher informed me that our head teacher had called the police and that they were now on their way. We were starting to pack up for our next period, when we then heard bangings at the windows, and I heard the same voice from the doors yelling some random words and cussing at us. The bell rang for next period, and the banging then stopped. Time skipped to when I meant science in the middle of a practical when my best friend then pointed out that there were police outside. Our chemistry teacher came over to have a look herself. So apparently the guy from before sped off after we made eye contact. I found it a bit creepy as I was on the other side of school, and then now that's where he magically appeared. I later found out from my girlfriend that the guy had been appearing on school grounds for the past two weeks, but nobody had mentioned anything about it. She also mentioned that apparently the police noticed he had a weapon on him. To this day, I still dread to think what would have happened if those doors were unlocked. This happened around December of 2019, at 7th period on my last day of the semester. Our school had a basement and led to other classes that kids would try to get into because they were apparently really easy and had the best air conditioning. We had a test on that class and got done quickly because I found it very easy. I decided to text my friend who we'll call Cole to get a pass and meet me in the bathrooms to have vapes. I asked the teacher for a pass and met up with him in the bathroom. Just before we got out our vapes, Cole's phone gets a text message. The message then said that we're on a lockdown Cole and I wanted to see what it was like in the halls. We looked, and it was almost pitch black out there. The windows are only in the classrooms, but not in the hallways. We then thought then this must be serious. There is a man walking out there, and he didn't look like a worker or a janitor. We went into the bathroom, turned off the lights, and then hid in one of the corner stalls. The room was completely silent. We then heard the bathroom open and close. The noise of him walking went to the stall that we were in. Cole then said, Dude, we have to crawl out from the stalls. The room was so silent 
that even Cole's whisper can be heard from across the room. The guy's breathing stopped, and we heard the stall being pressed in. I said, Dude, go! Go! And then crawled through the stalls. The man was now full-on banging the stall, as well as yelling. The door then opened as we were leaving, and the light filled the room, and I saw that the guy was in the hallway. We pounded on the door to Cole's class until they opened the door. Cole then explained everything as the teacher locked the door, also mentioning a gun sticking out of his pocket. I didn't see a gun on him, but I just went along with it. Usually middle and high school students would laugh for making a scene like this, but the kids in the corner were quite scared and concerned. There was a bang at the door, and a few of the girls would squeal from fear. Cole, the teacher, and I saw the man at the door trying the doorknob and banged out of frustration. He then walked away and down the stairs. We have probably been there for about an hour or two at this point. The teacher instructed us to go outside in a single file where everyone would be greeted by cops. Cole and I tried to explain the guy's appearance to the cops and the deans. The cops patted us on the back and sent us home. After that incident, the school ramped up with security and added cameras. This never got any media attention, so we don't really know if the guy got caught or not. I'm absolutely convinced that guy's intention was nothing but to kill us. Wait, don't go yet. <laughs> um, so, if you actually just wanted to listen to the stories, feel free to click off. But I did want to talk about a couple of things before I end this. So, there's not going to be a video tomorrow. There will be Thursday, but there won't be a video tomorrow. And the reason for that is it's my birthday tomorrow, and I'll be turning 30, which is so crazy. It's so wild to me that I'm going to be leaving my 20s. When I started this channel, I was 23, and then a few months later I turned 24. And yeah, I'm turning 30, and it's just, it's wild. Because I, like I said, I started this channel when I was 23, turning 24. I just want to say thank you guys. Thank you for everything. Everything that I've been able to achieve with this channel is because of you and your support. So thank you all so much. I will appreciate it forever. But yeah, I'm not going to be making any videos tomorrow. I'm just going to be enjoying the day because, you know, it's my birthday. <laughs> but I hope you all have a wonderful day. And I'll be back on Thursday. Once again, thank you all for everything. And until the next one, remember to always, always, always stay.